Get ready to talk sports with Daryl. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver. Daryl knows the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now here's Daryl. Hey, welcome to Sports Info UM. Hey, man, I'm still getting used to that beat. Man, I like that beat. Thanks, Vic. Vic Morris, my homeboy, University of Miami teammate. We and played together at the Seattle Seahawks, you know. But anyway, hey, um, we have a big show tonight. Hopefully we'll be able to get our guest on soon. Um, Josh, soon, as soon as you get our guest on, man, you let me know so we can get this thing rolling. But um, tonight we have a commitment from um, um, Clinton Porter, former University of Miami running back. Clinton played on one, what is considered one of the greatest teams in the history of college football, that 2001 um, team that he played on with so many stars on it. I mean, wow. I mean, it, it was unbelievable the number of players that got drafted from from um, Bubba Franks, Ken Dorsey, um, Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne. Uh, the list goes on and on with those guys that were on that team. But uh, hopefully we'll be Cl- we will get Clinton on. Um, but um, but until we get Clinton on, let's let's talk a little bit about the NFL. You know, we're coming up quickly on the NFL Hall of Fame game, and it's going to be the Bears and um, the Ravens are going to be playing in that game. But the big story already before the Hall of Fame is already gone down and before the game, before the Hall of Fame ceremonies, is that Terrell Owens will not be a part of the um, the NFL Hall of Fame ceremony. Well, hey, you know, and why is Terrell Owens not being a part of the NFL ceremony? Uh, you know, you hear stories, you really haven't heard him come out and say why. You've just heard him say that he's not going to be a part of the NFL ceremony, NFL Hall of Fame ceremony. And the question continues, well, why? Well, you hear stories that he doesn't want to get up and publicly say bad things about people, about people in his past, about people in that have done things to him that he didn't think that were necessarily fair. So that's the reason he's, that's one of the reasons that we hear that he's not going to to be a part of the, the ceremony. You also hear things like he's boycotting it because it took them so long to put him into the Hall of Fame. He thought he should have went in uh, before Randy Moss. You know, some people might might agree with him. Maybe he should have um, went in before Randy Moss. Who knows? But the fact that he's going into the Hall of Fame and, uh, you know, to hear some, hear, you know, some of the past Hall of Fame speeches come, come to mention is, uh, is Jim Kelly who um, now, um, you know, one of my former teammates, I was a freshman, he was a senior at University of Miami. But Jim Kelly, um, who's now battling um, cancer, and we still continue to pray for him and his fight with this disease. But he had an awesome Hall of Fame speech. You know, a lot of people will never forget it. Uh, Michael Irvin, awesome Hall of Fame speech. Um, So, you know, these are things that people are going to always remember about those guys. They might even, some of them may not even remember their last game, but they may remember what they said and how they spoke highly of their coaches and their family at the Hall of Fame speech. So at the Hall of Fame during their speech. So I really think that I really think that T.O. is doing someone 
an injustice. Whether it's his mother, whether it's his children, whether it's his high school coach, his little league coach, his aunt who took him to practice, his uncle who bought him those his first pair of brand new cleats. You just don't know who it's going to be. But um, uh, so um, so you just you just never know. Um, so, um, uh, Josh, do we have uh, we have Clinton on the line? Clinton, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? How y'all doing? Hey, we're doing great, man. Hey, Clinton, thanks for coming on the show, man. I, I got your message earlier that you was out of the country. Wasn't sure if we'd have a connection. I really appreciate the uh, modern technology of the world today. And, man, more than anything, I really appreciate a former, a former uh, a fellow alumnus and also a former player on the gridiron at University of Miami like myself coming on the show and just giving us a little bit of your time. Clinton, thanks, man, for being a part of this. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you all for having me. Hey, man, we appreciate you. Hey, Clinton, man, you know, I was just talking uh, earlier about um, you played on what is considered one of the greatest teams in the history of college football. And uh, I was thinking about what can I ask Clinton about playing on that team. You know, when I played at, at University of Miami, we won the first national championship in 1983. And I think you were probably a, a part of the last national championship in 2001. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's no uh, one of. It is the greatest team of all time. I don't know. All this, all these other teams that they just had ranked when the, uh, when the polls came out, Texas, University of Florida, they could have combined those teams and we still would have spanked them. That's the way I feel about it. Uh, I think when you look back at that team, the caliber of player, uh, players, the caliber of men that was on that team, uh, not only in college, how they exploded in the NFL. There's no other team close. So, however they came up with that, I think it was fan voting. And just because UM is a private school, all these other schools got more people uh, in their games week in and week out. But we would have demolished those schools. Clinton, I couldn't agree with you more, man. And, I'm, and I, I totally agree with you. And I'm not biased because I'm an alumnus. I'm biased because you guys had probably one of the had the greatest team ever assembled in college football. And when I and I'm talking about Ken Dorsey as a quarterback, Ken was probably one of the one of the not so because just because he was a quarterback made him popular on that team. But Ed Reed, Andre Johnson, Jeremy Shockey, Bryant, Kent Bryant McKinney, Jonathan Vilma, you, Santana Moss, man, Andre um, um, Reggie Wayne was on that team, I think as well. Well, that, yeah. was the, that was the 2000 team that had all of those guys. And uh, I think Dorsey role was so important because he was the guy who made everything go. You know, all the attention went to Dorsey. The height was surrounded by Dorsey, and he had a million weapons. Uh, Dorsey was one of those guys that was unselfish. He was just a great leader um, for us. So, you know, putting Dorsey in the mix was great uh, because he, he leveled out the chemistry amongst all the other guys. He got everyone the ball, Shockey, Drake, myself, uh, Frankie G, Willis, you know, everyone touched the ball with Dorsey. So, you know, not having not having a uh, prolific high-file quarterback probably was perfect for us because uh, he wasn't worried about his stats. He was just doing uh, what the play allowed him to do, and that's what we needed. Then when you look at 
uh, all of those other teams. So, you know, they had one or two players that were great. You know, you don't take anything away from, from Vince Young in Texas, but you can't name many players on that team. You don't take anything away from that Gators defense. It was one of the best defenses uh, assembled. But offensively, you can't tell me we're going to lose to Tim Tebow. And, I mean, our linebackers were fans. Everyone we had uh, could run. So I don't think their defense could held their scoreless where I think our defense could have stopped them. So uh, when you look at those teams, they were all great teams. You don't take anything away from them. But saying they was a caliber of team that could have beat the University of Miami 2000, 2001, 2002 teams was impossible. So I don't think anyone or, or, you know, you look at Alabama greatest teams, those teams couldn't play with us. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Clinton. And, you know, um, um, the, the thing, and one of the things I want to talk to you about is um, one of from, uh, things that we have in common is that both of those coordinators on those teams, the offense coordinator Rob Chazinski and the defense coordinator Randy Shannon, were both teammates of mine. And both of them have gone on to have very good careers in the NFL and in college football. Randy's still in college, and Rob is uh, in, involved in the NFL. But both of those guys were just solid players growing up, playing with both of them cats, man. But when we look at when we look at this team that you played on, the defense. Who's Clinton? Who was that guy on defense? That I know y'all had some awesome scrimmages there at the University of Miami. Who did you always have to keep an eye on? Was it Sean Taylor? Was it Ed Reed? Um, who was it well, when you had? Of course, Ed Reed was the leader uh, of that defense. But after Ed Reed, you're talking about Vince Wilfrick and William Joseph up front. Uh, guys that I would have to keep an eye on were the Weaver twins, and no one even know who those guys are. Uh, those are guys that got us, get, gave us the best looks week in, week out on scout team, you know, doing stuff that they were supposed to do coming full speed. But when you look defensively, you're talking about looking across at Jonathan Vilma, DJ Williams, Philip Buchanan, Ed Reed, Mike Rump. Like, man, it was impossible for another team. Uh, Jerome McDougal at that time was probably one of the best players that no one was talking about. You see what he did in the NFL, though. Uh, so when you look across at that defense, the competition was always there. So any given any given practice, we might crank it up just depending on uh, who was winning that day. So it was great competition all the time. Uh, everything we did, basketball, track, anything we did, we were competing because defensive guys were on the track team, offensive guys were on the track team, running backs, wide receivers. It was just competition, and that's what made those teams so great. I tell you, man, and I think that's what made us great when I look back at um, at my team. It was it was a depth chart. You know, every day before you went out to practice, you definitely had a peek at that depth chart to see where your name was. And if you weren't at where you were yesterday, if you were a little bit lower, you had to you had to dig down a little deeper, man, and practice a little harder because nobody wanted to slip on a depth chart. And when we look at your depth chart, man, um, uh, James Jackson, you, Najee, Davenport, hey, my goodness, man, those are, that 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 backfield was loaded. So I know you had to come out of the come out of El Green Tree practice field every day, bringing it. Well, I mean, you know, when you look at that depth chart with James Jackson and, and, and Najee, uh, both high caliber running backs, but you're leaving off Willis and, and Frankie G and uh, Jared Payton. You know, Frank Gore is going to go go on to be one of the the all time leading rushers in the NFL. Man, uh, that's who was behind me. You know, that's who was pushing me. 
Uh, when you look at those guys, just the competition, the room, Coach Solinger was so great with keeping everybody together, with keeping everybody um, uh, excited about the game plan and what was next to come. You're talking about you got all guys that feel like they should be number ones. You got Najee Davenport and Willis McGahee playing fullback and myself and Frankie G playing running back, and they want, they want the ball just as much as we do. Uh, not to mention that one point we had D.J. Williams in that room playing fullback, getting all the passes thrown to him in the flat. So, you know, it was a bunch of guys he had satisfied with Coach Solis that did such a great job at, at keeping everybody uh, together and keeping everybody focused on the biggest picture. And that was winning the national championship and returning the U back to dominance. Hey, man, and I'm going to tell you, you guys did it. You, you, you really made, had a dominant team, um, undefeated season, you know, and I, I guess when um, – when, when we look, when I look back at that whole thing with Coach Coker, uh, he didn't he didn't have a the kind of career I think he should have had at at, at the University of Miami. Um, I think he kind of got fried, fired a little bit prematurely. Uh, even though the person that took on took the position was one of my former teammates, Randy Shannon. How do you feel about Co- Coach Coker and Coach Davis, both of them being your coach? And um, Coach Davis bringing you into the program and Coach Coker being there when you left. Well, of course I'm grateful for Coach Davis to bring me into the program. And, uh, you know, I think what he established in 99 and 2000 uh, with me being there, guys were so uh, locked in and, and ready to play for him. He did a great job at getting guys ready. And Coach Coker was our offensive coordinator. So when Butch pulled the okie doke and left and went to uh, Cleveland, Everyone was, you know, all the talk was Barry Alvarez coming in, and, and I played running back, and I'm like, Barry Alvarez, I don't, want, I don't want to carry the ball 30 times a game as a running back. You know, you give me 12 to 18 carries in college, and that was a hundred yard game for me. And, you know, you're talking about bringing in a guy who wants to uh, big backs and slow the game down. We all got up, and you know, after Coach Davis left, we all got up and, and, and went up to. Uh, Paul D and and just spoke on Coach Coker's behalf. We didn't want to change things. We didn't want uh, new guys coming in and us losing the coaches that we had. So we went and spoke for Coach Coker and he got the job. So that entire season, oh one, Coach Coker just had to be there. You know, he was he had to get the game plan right and let us go. You didn't have to police us. You didn't have to. You know, it, it wasn't a level of. Uh, I got to watch this guy. We were all guys that knew what to do. You know, if you look at those teams, no one got in trouble. And I think that's what happened was the discipline under Coach Coker, who was such a great players coach. The discipline under him changed after the years. You got you, you begin to get a lot of guys come in that, you know, got away with a lot of stuff or tried to get away with a lot of stuff that the University of Miami didn't, didn't play with. And I think that's what cost Coach Coker uh, his job. But just as a coach, as an offense coordinator, Coach Coker was great for the program, especially for us, because he knew to let us go. And, and you know, he knew when to, hey, guys, come on, let's focus, let's get things together. But other than that, I mean, everybody was a man on that team. So we held up for our own. Hey, I I, I... – Man, I couldn't have said that better myself, Clinton. Hey, you know, uh, before we go any further, man, I got to say one thing, man. I only had one record at the University of Miami. I don't even know if it still stands. But you broke my only record, Clinton, that I had at the University of Miami. I think I had a, a 42-yard reception for a touchdown in the Fiesta Bowl in 1984 
against UCLA. And you broke that record, Clinton, in the Orange Bowl, in my in, in the, not the Orange Bowl, but in the Gator Bowl in, in the Jacksonville. Gator Bowl against Georgia Tech. Against Georgia Tech, I was at the game. Butch Davis had set me up with a with a, uh, a Butch Davis VIP pass. I got I got to set up in the press box. I brought my kids to practice and hung out with you guys one day during the week. I live in Palm Coast, Florida, which is not too far from Jacksonville. And Butch really hooked me up, man. And uh, I have to say, uh, if anybody would break my record, I wouldn't mind it being one of my homeboys like Clinton Portis. You know, I'm from a little town called Palaka, Florida. I know you from Gainesville, Florida. I followed you your whole career, man, <laughs> since you was at GHS. You know, so hey, I, I, I never... used to come put that thing in Palaka down there, man. <laughs> uh, you know, you know what's crazy about that play? We was just having this conversation. Uh, I went to I went to the uh, Paradise Camp for the University of Miami, and I spoke to the running backs, and that was a play that I told them that I I had kind of arrived at that point. You know, after you look at my freshman year, but that play kind of solidified my freshman year of how it was because if anybody go back to the start of that play, Coach Davis called the timeout and was walking to the ref to get me out of the game and put James Jackson back in for that play. And the ref ignored him, and we snapped the ball, and all of a sudden, I guess it was 78, 68, um, 74 yards, I think. Um, I could be I could be wrong. But whatever it was, you know, Coach Davis was trying to call a timeout to take me out of the game at that point. He wanted James Jackson there for that play. And I reverse field, and uh, like you said, the rest is history. And you broke my record, Clinton. And um, I don't I don't know if I'm even second on that list anymore. But hey, man, I, I I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget that play. And you you called it, man. You reverse field and took it the distance. It was a, it was a great move. But uh, Clinton, we've also followed you, man. Not only in college, where you had a, a stellar career. You ran for over 1,200 yards in 2001. But um, when you went to the NFL, man, you were drafted by the Denver Broncos in the second round. A lot of people thought you were going to be a, a, a be a first round pick, but it didn't seem to, to hamper you a bit because you stepped out the gates, man. And to this day, uh, I was reading. I think you still hold 17 records. Uh, for the Denver Broncos as a running back. So, hey, man, you did your thing at Denver. And, wow, when you got the Washington Redskins, when you got to the Washington Redskins, man, the, um, under Coach Joe Gibbs, and we, and if you follow football and follow the Washington Redskins and Joe Gibbs, he's just always been just a got the most out of running backs. So when you got there, man, it was just lights out. seemed like he was, it was he, his offense – was designed for somebody like you that wanted the ball, wanted to carry the ball, and a great receiver out of the backfield as well. Well, I mean, I, th- I think for me, getting drafted to Denver was uh, the best blessing in disguise that could possibly happen. I got to play with great teammates, and Ross Smith, Shannon Sharp, Al Wilson, Ed McCaffrey, uh, Trevor Price, and the list goes on with, with guys uh, that should be Hall of Famers in, in Denver. They were fresh off the of Super Bowls, and um, they taught me how to how to be a vet. You know, they taught me uh, how to how to conduct myself in the NFL. And those guys never got in trouble. And no matter what what the night led to, they were there every morning and gave everything they had in practice. So those guys taught me how to be a vet. And, you know, going to the Washington Redskins, even they were going to the Washington Redskins, uh, playing for a legendary coach like Joe Gibbs. Um, I, I mean, what can you say when you see a man who's so 
uh, who's so successful in, in all of his endeavors, carry himself the way that he carried himself. So you went out and gave everything you had just knowing you believed in Coach Gibbs, no matter if he actually went through a brick wall. And, uh, he, You know, Coach Gibbs was so honest. Like, I know we're asking a lot of you right now, but you're the only person I have that I could possibly ask to run through this brick wall. It might be crazy enough to do it. So that just put the belief on, on me that Coach Gibbs believed in me, so I tried to run through the brick wall. And, and people always say, well, if you wouldn't, wouldn't have left Denver, you probably would have been one of the top backs of all time. And I always say, I'm still one of the top backs of all time. Like, that going to Washington completed um, the process of me. I think going to Washington made me uh, a complete player. You know, for what I was asked to do with what I was asked to do it with, uh, people always look for, oh, this is how you played, this is how you had the game. Every week I was the focal point. Every week. It, it was never a week in my career that a defensive coordinator said, oh, well, we don't have to worry about Portis. Every week I was the focal point. I was the, I was the guy that you game plan to stop. So I think my career in, in D.C. was tremendous for that sole aspect. And, and I always uh, feel great about what the Washington Redskins did and going out to get me. I don't have any regrets. I had a great time in Denver. Those fans were uh, were outstanding. But I love Washington D.C. and Washington D.C. accepted me, and, and that's where I call home. And those people uh, really embraced me and, and got me to give all I had for that city. Man, hey Clinton, Clinton, we got to take a quick commercial break, man. I'm gonna please ask you to hold through the break. We got some callers on the line. I want to holler at you too. Get a question, get a couple questions in. Hey guys, we got Clinton Portis on the line. NFL superstar, Miami Hurricane superstar, one of the players of the greatest college football team in the history of the NCAA, Clinton Porter. Guys, we're going to be right back after these messages with more sports information. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thunder chickens beware, we're coming for ya. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about the Spring Gobbler Smackdown, and our panel of pros are out for beards. 
Joining us is David Blanton of Bill Jordan's Realtree Outdoors and Monster Bucks, outdoor writer M.D. Johnson, and Pete Muller from the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. Call him today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send an email to sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, we got Ray on the line. Ray, what's going on? Ray, what's happening? Hey, how are you, Daryl? I'm doing great, Ray. Hey, hey, Ray, you got a question for Clinton real quick? You got to get out of here. Thank him so much for being a part of our show. Man, I, I got a lot for Clinton. I, you know, like you said, I <laughs> followed you guys, both of you, uh, through your careers at the uh, University of Miami. And, you know, they talk about college basketball with one and done. You all were talking about that death chart at University of Miami. That's why so many guys only played a year or two because it was tough getting uh, playing time at the University of Miami with running backs like that. So, uh, Clinton, I think you were there with two years, and then you were off to Denver. Uh I'm a Washington Redskins fan, and I remember when the trade was made with uh, Denver and uh, a lot of folks in Washington thought Champ Bailey was the next coming of Daryl Green, and some of them, it, it took them a minute uh, to get warmed up to Clinton Porters. But you know what? That first game, I was sitting there when late in the game in the fourth quarter, you broke around, and I think you went about 80 yards for that touchdown to win the game. That, and they that like, wasn't the fourth quarter. Like, that was the first carry. That's how many minutes That's how many minutes it took them to warm up. It took my first carry as a Washington Redskins for them to warm up and say, you know what, this was a great idea by Coach Gibbs. So it only <laughs> took them the first carry. I think I, you know, I took the first carry to the house, and the rest was history, man. That's exactly right. I, I – I would fly down from Chicago to see the games. And, you know, like uh, Daryl, I'm a little biased with uh, the Hurricane guys and those uh, players that you had as teammates. Uh, look how many of those guys, are, you you included, like you say, you're one of the best running backs ever there. You hold uh, some records there in Washington still. Uh, so, uh the talent that was there and what you guys did. And like you said, you guys weren't getting in trouble either. I mean, I think it was just such a, a, a great time. When you look at all the talent that came out of the University of Miami, man, everyone kind of policed themselves. You know, the upperclassmen took care of everybody. And, and you just passed it. It was like a pay it forward. You come out, you do what you're supposed to do, you have a good time, and you work hard. And, and that's what was asked. I think Coach Davis, did a great job with, with the caliber of guys that uh, he went out to recruit. And once those guys got to the University of Miami, you know, everybody had a little circle of friends. In my circle, you look at Andre Johnson, Santana Moss, Philip Buchanan. Uh, those were those were the guys I hung out with. You look at those guys and the way they carried themselves throughout life. And, and, uh, they've been great guys. So for me to have 
that opportunity to look up to those guys, to bond with those guys, to say those guys are my brothers. Uh, having a guy like Ezra James that, that started out as a mentor that's now one of my best friends. Uh, when you have those kind of guys around you, it's easy to not get in trouble because uh, if you're around those guys, it's like you're standing out as the only prick or the only jerk. Uh, you're the only one doing something wrong. You never want to cause attention to yourself or uh, bring negative attention to any of the guys around. So everybody's just kind of caught on. You know, be a stand-up guy, uh, face whatever it is, uh, face forward and, and deal with it. You know, whatever you say, let that be your word. and Don't go back against it. You know, uh, like I said, I was a Redskins fan and a good friend of uh, Cindy Mangum, Coach uh, Gibbs' uh, secretary. And I know the story of uh, how uh, you not only were a great running back there, but uh, you turned into a little uh, uh, assistant general manager uh, when it came to uh, drafting uh, uh, another uh, hurricane. You already had Santana Moss there. And then I understand you just bugged Coach Gibbs Silly. Every time you saw him, it was Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor. (laughs) Miss Cindy was was great uh, to be around. And and Sean actually came before Santana. So uh, as soon as I got there, you know, we're going through the draft process. And and they're looking at Kellen Winslow, another former Hurricane. And, uh, you know, he was high on their board. And they had some more guys. And I just told, you know, I sat down with Coach Gibbs. He said, oh, man, we got to get you some help. On, on offense, you know, uh, all the guys are, are kind of ganging up on you. We got to get you some help offensively. And I said, you really want to help me offensively? He said, yeah. I said, well, draft Sean Taylor because he'll, he'll score some points. He'll put some points up for us. And, you know, that's all we need. And, you know, I mean, you see the great career Sean was having before he was taken away. And it was one of the best uh, decisions that I could say, uh, me stepping up and voicing my opinion that ever happened. And then the following uh, off season, me and Santana was getting ready to go out to dinner. And, you know, Santana was kind of down after the season and, and seemed disgruntled. And I'm like, what's up? And he was like, man, New York not using me right. And I'm like, so you want to get out of New York? And he was like, yeah, man. Like, man, they not using me right. And the day before, I had just spoke to Lavernius Coles. Lavernius had just left my house, and he was just grunted in D.C. saying that the Redskins didn't use him right. He wanted to go back to New York. So in two days, I done spoke to two of the better receivers that I ever played with, and both of them want to leave where they were. So I made the call. I called Coach Gibbs. I said, Coach, you talked to Lavernius? He said, yeah, what's wrong with Lavernius? I said, I don't know. He said he wanted to go back to New York. He was like, man, that guy caught 99 passes. I said, well, Coach, if he want to go back to New York, I wouldn't normally, you know, say get rid of Lavernius Coles, but Santana want to come here. And he was like, do you really think Santana would come here? I was like, well, he's sitting right here. Ask him yourself. And, you know, they made that happen. Uh, Santana got traded to the Redskins. Lavernius went back to the Jets. And both of those guys were happy with their decisions. I got another one of my teammates that I knew I could depend on. And myself, Santana and Sean, Gave everything we had to the CWC. Hey, you know, Ray. I, I heard you. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Ray. I, I, hey, Ray, Ray, we got to get out of here, man. I know Clinton on vacation with his family. We got other people trying to get in. But, Ray, thank you so much for calling Sports Info. You're on radio show, man, on VoiceAmerica.com. We're here every Monday night. Don't be a stranger. Give us a call. Hey, Clinton, 
Man, we thank you so much for being a part of the show. We got one more call. You want to take one more? Or you got to get out of here. Nah, I'll take one more. All right. Hey, uh, Josh, we got Damon on the line? Yes. Damon, what's going on? We got Clinton Porter's great University of Miami running back, Denver Broncos and Washington Redskins. What's happening, Damon? Hey, how's it, go- how's it going, Daryl? I'm doing great, man. And yourself? I'm good. Good. What's your question for Clinton? Yes, um, I'm just um, I'm, I'm glad Clinton Floyd was a guest because um, I was worried about where where's uh where he was because uh, he was out of the spotlight because I always follow him because he was a good running back next to you. I mean, but I like good running backs. And what's next? What's next up for you uh, as a man, as, I, as a player? Man, I stay in. I stay in the headlines, man. Good and bad. It's always it's always great for me. But as as a former NFL player, right now I'm broadcasting. Uh, I got a show called Twenty Six Minutes, a podcast coming out called Twenty Six Minutes with the Washington Redskins. Uh, you can catch that online. Um, doing some broadcasting. I got Santana as a co a co host with me uh, as well on the show that I do out of D.C. along with Chris Cooley. So I do the post-game show for the Washington Redskins. Uh, myself and Chris Cooley do uh, the Monday morning roundup. And uh, me and Santana do the kickoff preview. So you can find me. I'm not hard to find. I'm still active and participating in uh, sports and, and around the Washington Redskins cheering them all. Okay. That's good to know, man. Yeah. Hey, well, Damon, man, thanks for being a part of the show, man. We really appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. We're here every Monday night. You never know who might be on the show. Yeah. Hey, no problem, man. Thank y'all for having me. Y'all have a good one. Hey, hey, Clinton, we really appreciate it, man. You have a great vacation, and thanks again for coming and being part of Sports Info UM on VoiceAmerica.com. I'll see you down at the University of Miami at the games, man. All right, man. Y'all take care. No doubt. Thanks again. Hey, guys, that was Clinton Portis, man. Great guy, great running back at the University of Miami. Great career at, at great career in the NFL. Uh, man, I mean, Clinton played in the NFL for nine years, and six of those nine years he ran for over 1,000 yards. You know, that's just letting you know what kind of workhorse Clinton Portis was. And, you know, and, and, and I, I knew that um, – Willis McGahee and Frank Gore was in the in the backfield with Clinton Portis. And can you imagine that Frank Gore had to play behind Willis McGahee, James Jackson, uh, Clinton Portis, all of these guys, and and wait his turn. You know, and I, I guess that's the most most um, intriguing part about this. Frank Gore never 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 whispered a. Uh, uh, a word about transferring, transferring or leaving, any of that kind of stuff. But none of those guys did. Not Clinton, not Frank, not Willis McGahee, um, James Jackson. They all waited their turn, became great players, became NFL stars. Um, hey, and um, and and on top of that, Clinton Portis. And you know, he was talking about how he used to come to my hometown. And and just just drag my hometown team, Placa. Well, I meant to tell Clinton when I was in high school, we used to go over there and and put it up on on Vernell Brown and them guys at GHS. 
and I say that, but my, my junior year, uh, we beat Gainesville High School. And they went on to win all of the rest of their games and win the state championship. And that would have been in 1980. In 1981, my high school went undefeated, including beating Gainesville High School, and went on to win the state championship. And, um, you know, uh, I was talking to Clinton. Um, when one of the things I wanted to bring up with him was um, one of the things we had in common. Not only did he break my... my um, receiving touchdown record at the University of Miami, but we were both, his coach at um, at the Denver Broncos was Mike Shanahan, and Mike Shanahan recruited me out of high school to um, play for the University of Florida. I turned him down, but I always thought highly of Mike Shanahan, and my mom always, my parents, both my parents, always thought very highly of Coach Shanahan, and when he, and when he went on from Gainesville to be an NFL coach, they followed him, and they always thought that he was just, they, they, you know, it was a big deal for them to say, oh, that's Coach Shanahan. He sat right in our living room. Yeah, so uh, I admire Coach Shanahan, and that's another thing me and um, Clinton had in common. But, guys, um, we had Clinton Portis on the show tonight. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. And, and you, when you think about that Hurricane team, I mean, really, you know, that 2001 team, to me, there is no team better than that team that ever been assembled in college football. And I keep talking about all of these running backs, but Willis McGazy and Najee Davenport, Frank Gore, Jeremy Shockey, Andre Johnson, Bryant McKinney, uh, Jerome McDougal, William Joseph, Vince Woolfolk, Jonathan Vilma, DJ Williams, Ed Reed, Mike Rump, Philip Buchanan, Kellen Winslow Jr., Sean Taylor, Entrell Roll, Vernon Carey, Man, I mean, oh, man, I'm telling you, this this list goes on and on. Kelly, um, um, Kelly Jennings was also on that team. Hey guys, listen to Sports Info UM on VoiceAmerica.com. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we'll have some callers calling in, and we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on in the NFL and the start of all of the NFL training camps. We'll be right back after these messages. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. Call him today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send an email to sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM on voiceamerica.com. Guys, we had a great interview with Clinton Portis. You know, um, you know man. Uh, I'm telling you, man, last week we had Chuck Foreman on, another University of Miami, great running back. Um, this week, Clinton Portis, man, Clinton Portis, Denver Broncos, um, and Washington Redskins running back. So, hey, we, we, we're stepping this thing up a little bit. Next week, we're going to go to the defensive side on the football tip. We're going to have Benny Blades up here then on the show next week doing his thing. And Benny is a... Um, Former Detroit Lion first round draft pick, and uh, I think Vinny was drafted in 1988, 1988, 87 or 88. Um, Vinny played with um, Barry Sanders, and you should hear some of the stories that he had to tell about Barry Sanders and how what a what a tremendous worker and what a tremendous athlete he was in practice as well as he was in the games. So we're looking forward to that next week. But, um, you know, this week in the world of sports, you know, it's a lot going on besides uh, us having this great interview with Clinton Porters. You know, it's going on. Um, NFL training camps have opened. Odell Beckham is in camp. But the word is Odell Beckham wants a new contract. You know, and, hey, some people are saying um, he's it's warranted. You know, he's still working on a rookie contract. Well, uh, if if Julio Jones is looking for a new contract, and he's already making about $14 million a year, Odell Beckham is getting ready to get paid. Um, new York Giants, they, they really, they have to have him because you, they definitely don't want to have him start talking about a contract dispute in the middle of the season. And he's one of the best receivers in the, in the league. Now, that be said, him being one of the best receivers in the league, what Clinton Porter's talked about a lot was guys didn't get in trouble. Guys didn't get in trouble. Well, you know, Odell Beckham has had some trouble in his past, and he's had some situations on the field and off the field. This is the same guy that 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 punched a um a a, a kicking net. Or uh, ask a kicking net to marry him, or some some silliness like that. So you know, you're not. It's it's hard to it's hard to put it's hard to put say forty million dollars guaranteed into someone's hand that might be 
doing something like that on the sideline. Or next thing you know, he's in the nightclub 3 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday and the game is on on a Saturday, on a on a Friday, and the game is on Sunday. Um, hey, you just can't have that kind of stuff. And nowadays, with so many videos and cameras and everything else, and um, I think it was I think uh, it was him that I read about that someone tried to extort money from him. Um, so hey, he's deserving of the money with his play on the field, but with the with the thing that he that his complications off the field, there is a question mark of whether or not. He should get paid. Now, <laughs> I don't know. You know, here, here's another. Let's just talk about another receiver that probably he'll, he'll probably take anything now. You know, Des Bryant is at home right now saying, hey, somebody just throw me a bone. You know, we hear all of these stories about Green Bay Packers may be interested in Des Bryant. Um, I don't know. Tampa Bay could be interested in Des Bryant. I don't know. Jacksonville Jaguars could be interested in Des Bryant. I don't know. But right now, he's not with a team, and I'm sure he'd almost take any team right now to be a part of. So uh, what is the reason Des Bryant is not with a team? It's because he's had problems in the past off the field, owing jewelers money, thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, owing payments in jewelry, um, having having, uh, arguments with coaches on the sideline, you know, these are things I think have, have, have hampered him getting paid or hampered him from being in somebody's camp right now. Now, if someone gets injured, some major receiver gets injured, maybe I don't know who, it's, who, who it could be. But if Larry Fitzgerald is in the league, Des Bryant should be, should be a number one receiver on somebody's team. Not taking anything away from Larry Fitzgerald. But Des Bryant is really not getting a fair shot. Uh, I just see I, I can see him playing for a lot of teams, but there's a lot of teams that don't want Des Bryant, and they don't want the baggage that comes with Des Bryant. And that's just that's just how it is. Jimmy Garoppolo went out with a former. Um, how do I want to say this? Um, call girl. Jimmy Garoppolo went out with a former call girl. Okay. Um, I don't think he's going to go out with her again. And the reason being is because the same reason Des Bryant doesn't have a contract, per se. Uh, he's not, Jimmy Garoppolo will not go out with this, um, with, with the porn star again because he works for, we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show, he works for a company that is literally worth a billion dollars. Jimmy Garoppolo works for a company that's worth, worth over a billion dollars. And if that company says, hey, don't go out with her again, guess what? He's not going to be going out with her again. Love ain't that Love ain't that important, and it's definitely not that expensive. Hey, we got Jerome on the line. Jerome, what's going on? Hey there, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Loving this life I got, man. You missed our interview with Clinton Porter. She came on, stayed on with us for 30 minutes. Had a great conversation with us, man. I didn't know that Clinton Porter was the reason that Santana Moss and Sean Taylor came to um, came to on uh, the Washington Redskins. Oh, that's interesting. I remember coaching against Clinton Porter when he was at GHS, and uh, we played against uh, that team in Palaka, and uh, he was by far one of the best running backs we ever faced. He mentioned that. 
how he how he used to drag y'all when he was at Gainesville <laughs> High School. He he, he talked he, he talked quite quite highly of how he used to run through Palaka High School when he was in high school. So I guess you just you just clarified that for us and uh and solidified that for us that Clinton Porters did run through my old high school when uh when he was in high school. He did, and uh, <laughs> we were proud to know that he did it because he didn't only do it against us, but he did it against a lot of other teams. He did it in college, he did it in pros, so he was a proven commodity for sure. Oh, that that's for sure, Jerome. Yeah, but no, man, the interview was really, really good. Um, Clinton said he talked to Coach Gibbs and, um, and uh, told him that he thought Sean Taylor would be a good asset to the team because he would score points on defense. Uh, right. Because of his, his ability to intercept balls and run them all the way back, and um, so that worked out. And I think it was Jabbar Gaffney uh, who not uh, who was with them with the Redskins and wanted to go back to the Jets, and mm-hmm. uh, and and Santana Moss wanted to come leave the Jets, and um, so that worked out well. Both of them ended up coming that same year. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And you know that that time seemed like that's when uh, football, especially the NFL, was starting to get those multi-talented players that can play both sides of the ball. And you started seeing a few running backs, running back kicks and punts, and uh, playing offense and defense. So I mean, it was a kind of like an experiment. Seemed like coming into the NFL about that time, and a, a lot of people started doing it. But I wish they would do it even more. I think one year uh, New England, I think. Uh, went to the Super Bowl, and they had players playing both sides of the ball. Some receivers were playing defensive back. and uh seemed like, you know, if they got that much talent, why not use them at, at that level, you know? Well, in the NFL, those guys, we want to get paid for both sides of the ball. You know what I'm saying? And these contracts, yeah. they don't want to pay these guys for, for one side of the ball good, let alone play f- for two sides of the ball. But when we find some of these guys that are maybe like the second-string wide receiver, or or the third string uh, or the second string cornerback, they they do end up playing both sides of the ball, and and sometimes they have some of the stipulations in their contract that that um that get them more money for playing um both sides of the ball. Yeah, you know right, what? Um, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you calling in. Uh, if you look at the contract of Shaquan Barkley coming out of Penn State, what do you think about that contract of a guy who hadn't played it down in the NFL? Um, he may be a first and second down running back, you know, but more than likely they're going to have a third down back, so he won't be in there on third down. He's not going to run back kicks, not going to run back punts. Do you think the money that they invested in him is actually worth it for a running back, rookie running back? You know, um, you, you know, we got that old saying in the league, uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. I, I, I love it when I see these guys get as much money as they can. I, I really do. But I, I, when, when we look at his contract, he signed a four-year contract, $31 million. $31 million. Um, and $15 million up front. Mm-hmm. Right? F- yep, $15 million up front. All right? Now, we all, we, that's one of the things that we constantly talk about, about running backs. What's, what's the longevity of a running back? Six years. So there's no guarantee he's going to have another another four years to play in the NFL. So he has right. to get his money up front. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some of these guys can get their money. They can be proven commodities. By the time a running back proves himself, he's walking like Earl Campbell. Yeah. You know what I mean? And guess what? Mm-hmm. 
if he does have a productive career, he may be walking like Earl Campbell when he's in his 40s. You know, and I think that's all the more reasons for these guys really to get the money as quickly as they can because this guy comes into the league a proven commodity. I think he had the most bench presses a running back has ever had in, a, in the NFL combine. He ran a less than a 4-4 in the NFL combine. He ran for over, uh, over, over 1,000 yards the last two years in college. So I think he comes to the league with, uh, with, with, a, with as a proven player, college player, but you you're right now. Um, what is, what is he what is he gonna be if Odell Beckham decides to hold out just before mm-hmm. the season starts? You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and there's a good yeah, possibility he could. Very yep. interesting. Very interesting. So do you think do you think he's deserving of the money? I, I I really do in a in a sense because he's proven at a, a high level in college what he can do. What I hate about it is next year a uh, running back who's in that situation going to have to get this same contract or more. Now you're inflating the uh, contracts of these rookies coming out of uh, college, and, yeah, they, 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 they potentially is going to be great, but you got guys uh, in the NFL, and I think you were talking about a couple of shows back about the running backs and uh, these running backs and what they earn and what they should get and some of them not being paid well. And now here you go, a person who's not made a, a plate of down in the NFL getting, you know, $15 billion and then I'm if I'm running back in the NFL, I'm saying, well, what about me? I, I've done this, this, this. My legs are about shot. I'm about to go out. Why can't I get that big contract, you know? So I, I don't know if it's a performance thing or is it just, you know, performance in college. You know, and and with um, Saquon Barkley, I think his position in the draft had a lot to do with it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. when when, um, when when we when we look at when we look at the number one pick in the NFL draft this year, um, his money is pretty much all guaranteed, and he's right. going to make thirty two thirty two point six million dollars. You know what I'm saying, and uh-huh. and his and up front he got 22 million dollars up front. So Baker Mayfield is not gonna get touched nearly as much, and I don't think he's gonna be nearly as as productive as Saquon Barkley in the next two years. So no, I don't think so either. So uh, I think when we look at it overall, uh, the Giants might even be getting a steal. Um, paying him just $31 million because we all know that 10 years ago, him being that second pick overall would have would have granted him a whole lot more money than he's getting now with this rookie contract crap they have going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If, and it wouldn't be 10 years ago. It would be more like five years ago. The, 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 he would have made a whole lot more money than he's making now. Yeah. Right. So. Because I can't remember his Fournette. I'm trying to think that Fournette. See, like Fournette was at, what, seven somewhere guaranteed, I think? Yeah. Jaguars. And, you know, he did number, uh, what, four pick uh, last year, a couple years ago. So. Yep. And, and um, you know, but before we get out of here, uh, Jerome, we only got a couple of minutes. Uh, Leonard Fournette came out and said that, uh, told, he said to Saquon Barkley, the NFL is easier than college football. 
He said they don't practice as much. They don't they don't scrimmage as hard, and it's easier than the NFL. How do you feel about that? You think he's right for saying something like that? Uh, I guess the preparation for it is because of the, uh, like I say, they don't practice a whole lot. They don't have full contact. Uh, and basically you just, you know, hopefully trying to get through a Sunday uh, game. But uh, the speed is real. I mean, the injuries are real. And uh, you as a running back, you're taking a pound in every play, even if you're just blocking. Um, so when you go through the hole, the pounding, the, the injuries, the 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 speed is real, uh, but I think the preparation of a week's preparation, getting ready for a college game as compared to pro game would be a little bit easier. Yeah. Hey, Jerome, man, thanks for being a part of the show. We really appreciate it, man. Don't be a stranger. Right, We're here every Monday night. Thank you, brother. Hey, guys, All thanks right, for being a part of Sports Info. You am on VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be back next week with more sports information. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.